Life Off the Pendulum is the course of study for this fall semester in adult Bible class at Trinity Lutheran Church. In this study, Rev. Dr. Jim Von Bush will expose and explain what life on the pendulum looks like and the many struggles and heartaches we encounter because of it. He will also share what life off the pendulum can be, a life that trusts and rests in the abundant grace of God. Thank you for listening. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, thank you so very much for days that remind us of your holiness, days that remind us of your creative work and your power. Even as we look around the things in this world, we know that while they all point to you as the creator, they are a dim reflection of how awesome you are. So Father, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would enlighten us, and that you would draw us closer to your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, and hopefully you picked up a handout, the topic for this fall semester is life off the pendulum. And while that may not make a lot of sense to begin with, what I'm hoping to do, especially today, is just help us all become more aware of what I mean by life on the pendulum. What we'll find is that we tend to see things in opposites, right or left, conservative or liberal, we tend to see things in those ways. And what I hope to be able to show you is that it really is a prevalent mindset that we all have and we all live by. Every human being lives not only on one pendulum, but on many pendulums. And as we go through it today, I'm going to share some examples of what I mean by that. And what I'm convinced will happen is that as we start going through this process, and from week to week, you will then be able to see that is a pendulum. And I can see now where either I am on one end of the pendulum and somebody else that I'm interacting with is on the other end of the pendulum, or we can recognize where we sometimes, our own selves, swing from one side of the pendulum to the other. And I think this is true of every human being. We're going to fill in some blanks on your worksheets in just a minute. But let me tell you right now that I think that is true of every human being. Because life on the pendulum is part of living in a broken world and being broken people. Life off the pendulum is only available to believers in Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. Life off the pendulum, which I am going to, of course, espouse that that is the best way to live, is life off the pendulum. It is true freedom. Christ says, I have set you free for freedom's sake. Life off the pendulum is where God wants us to live. But we are in bondage because of our brokenness to living on the pendulum. And it actually breeds more brokenness. So that's what we're going to be looking at when we talk about the difference between what life on the pendulum looks like, and that's really what I'm going to show you today, is what life on the pendulum looks like. But then we'll be talking about what God gives to us because of grace. As believers, we can live off the pendulum. Now, what this may seem like, especially when you start talking about pendulums and pendulum swings and physics and all those kinds of things, it might seem just rather academic. And it's, I suppose it could be. Anything can be left in academic nature. I've heard it quoted many times that as Lutheran believers, we get the academic part real good. That was great grammar, wasn't it? We get it real good. 
we do very well at the academic part, the mind thing. But sometimes we have a hard time letting it penetrate our hearts, our beliefs, who we are. And so certainly, as we even talk about life on the pendulum, or even like our last study, you know, back in the spring and winter on the book of Revelation, certainly that could remain just an academic exercise. Hopefully, it penetrated our hearts and it transitioned us and transformed us into different kinds of believers, recognizing Jesus Christ's victory and what we have waiting for us in heaven. See, even now, when we talk about life off the pendulum, it can certainly be an academic exercise, but I really hope that you will dig into this process so much so that it truly affects who we are personally and deeply. And that's also kind of a warning, I guess, a caution. As I, as I study to present this, there are moments, and I'm just going to be really transparent with you, there are moments when I become overwhelmed by what this means. When we consider what it looks like to be on the pendulum and what God is offering to us off the pendulum, it can become a little overwhelming at times. And so I just share that with you as one to encourage you to really ask the Holy Spirit to stir within you, to see what this life off the pendulum can be, what it can look like and how you can live in that freedom that Christ provides and how life on the pendulum is a, is a life of burden and a life of bondage. So it's kind of a, an encouragement and a caution all at the same time. One of the things that, again, a kind of a warning at this moment is that there is always a danger that pride will sneak in. There's always the danger that pride or ego will sneak in. And when we start talking about the pendulum swings, it will be very easy, as we point out some of the pendulums, to all of a sudden say, yeah, where I am on the pendulum is the right spot. And everybody else is wrong. That could become part of the process. So let me warn you now that pride is always seeking to overcome us. Those, I think, are the warnings I want to give you. I think it's exciting. I think it's going to poke at us. I think this study is going to poke at us a little bit. It's going to poke us in places we don't necessarily like to be poked because, to be quite honest, sometimes our place, not only do we say on the pendulum, I'm in the right spot and you're in the wrong one, but we like it. We like our spot on the pendulum. We not only think we're right, but it's comfortable, and we don't want to give it up. So it's going to poke at you. It might reveal some things to you, but ultimately why I think it's really going to be exciting is that I think it's going to offer you some deep and incredible hope. Hope. So let's dig in. We'll go through. I have four truths uh, there for you on the worksheet. The first one, as I've already kind of indicated, the first truth, all humans live life on a myriad of pendulums. Like I said, as we go through this, you're going to become more aware of just how many pendulums there are. And all humans live life on a myriad of pendulums. It's not just a couple, but really they start to show up in the way we think and the way we believe and the way we act and what we communicate. So all humans do. The second truth all humans hold on to a position on the pendulums. Hold on to. Like I said, sometimes it's because we think we're right. 
Sometimes we do it because it's just comfortable. It's what we've known. It's the way we were raised. It's where we live. And so these pendulums, we like them. And we hold on to them. And in fact, I think it's safe to say that there will be times when our study is maybe poking at you a little bit, and you might want to say, well, Pastor, I don't want to change that. If you're telling me that life off the pendulum is the better life, I kind of like it where I am. I like it on the pendulum. I think it's the right spot. I think it's the best way to live. It's the way I'm comfortable with. So we hold on to a position on the pendulum. The third truth is going to link to that pride that I've been talking about already. All humans think their position on the pendulum is the right position. Of course we do. Of course. Why else would we be there? And what it does is it breeds all kinds of opportunities for conflict and argument and friction. It happens in, in marriage relationships. It happens in parent-child relationships and sibling relationships and neighbor relationships in church relationships. It happens in our community, in our world. We are convinced that we are in the right spot. And then the fourth truth. All humans swing on the pendulum when it doesn't work for them. You might want to underline the word for them. All humans swing on the pendulum when it doesn't work for them. When there's something about their position that isn't working for them anymore. Maybe it's not comfortable anymore. Maybe there's other influences. Maybe they say, well, maybe it's not right. Or maybe I've been here for so long, but it really is something, you know, maybe, maybe they're right. I'd hate to admit it, but I'm going to go ahead and swing. But it's something's not working about our spot on the pendulum, so we swing to another spot on the pendulum. Any questions for me so far? Any comments? Any, is it, am, I, am I being clear? Is there anything I need to clarify? Because I think at this moment it still might feel a little ambiguous, a little vague, hard to pin down. Partly that's because pendulums are always moving. But anything else I can at this, at this juncture? Yes? Is it a bad thing to... Well, I know you want us to live off the pendulum, or pendulum, but when it says they swing when it doesn't work for them, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, Melody. In fact, that's one of the best moments. That's when we're most open to God moving us off the pendulum. See, if we're really set in our way of thinking and doing, and we think that we're in the right spot even the Holy Spirit is going to have a hard time budging us mm -hmm. from that spot. So one of the ways that the Holy Spirit, I am convinced, works in us is to point out to us that it's not working. Mm -hmm. And then we are open to His leading us. But the, the problem is when we just swing to something different. And so really, it's a great opportunity. I would not say it's bad at all. In fact, the Holy Spirit might use it for some really powerful good. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Fred. Probably another way of uh, saying is uh, speak after balance. I'm glad you said that. We're going to come back to it in a minute, Fred. So hold on to that one. Did I miss that part this morning? No, you did not. <laughs> you did not. But I'm excited to be able to talk about what that looks like. So seeking balance is what Fred said. You know, obviously you picture the pendulum. I mean, this is really meant to be kind of a visual for us. The pendulum is swinging. 
And many times the thought is, well, if I'm over here and, and I figure out it's uncomfortable, I'm not sure it's the best or the right anymore, maybe it's just not fun for me to live in, you know, and swing. Well, what if I can just stop in the middle and be a pendulum that just hangs there? Just think about that for a minute. We'll come back to it. It's exciting stuff. Yes. I do have a question here because I'm leaning into <clears throat> Christ being the far end of a pendulum. The far end of a like pendulum. He's, you're either for him or you're not for him. And I don't see moving off of the for him. Interesting, because when the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know those guys over there were casting out demons in your name and we made them stop? Jesus said, if they're not against us, they're for us. Okay. Isn't it? I don't know if that's answering exactly no, what you're bringing up. It's, it's some clarification. Yeah. I, again, I think Jesus Christ is going to be the perfect example. Of course, he's not on a pendulum. He is not on that broken that's swing anywhere. Okay. So as we look at Christ and his model, he's going to show us he didn't live on the pendulum anywhere. Okay. And that's what he offers to us. Life in Christ is completely off the pendulum. The thing that's going to blow your mind, I think, is... How many pendulums he's going to invite us off of over and over again. And what that life becomes. It's going to be transformational. Yeah. But hang on to that. Because I, I agree with what you're saying there, Anita. I think that, you know, certainly he says you can't serve God and mammon. Right? right? So is that a pendulum swing? We'll come back to that. Okay. So I do have a few examples um, and what I'm going to try and do here is show you some pendulum swings that are quite common and help us identify what they look like by showing you both, both ends of the swing. So the first personal finances is an example we can talk about. Uh, I think we could say that each one of these also shares a common theme. So be looking for that as well. So when we talk about the swing of the pendulum, both ends of the swing. See, we look at it as though they're opposites. Really, they share something in common. So be looking for that as well. And I think that's going to help with what you just brought up, Anita, where, where Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. Well, there's totally different motivations there. But in the swings we're going to look at, I think I can show you that it's the same motivation on both ends, just lived out differently. So let's talk about it. Personal finances. The first letter, A, is irresponsibly reckless. Irresponsibly reckless. I would just going to categorize this. I mean, I'm speaking in general terms here. And I'm going to go to the extremes to make sure that this is as clear as I can make it. So irresponsibly reckless means this person is spending all the time. Spend, spend, spend. As long as they have a credit card in their pocket, or it used to be checks in their checkbook. Now we don't do that so much anymore. But, you know, spend. Maybe even on frivolous things, things they don't need. They have more than they need. It's on stuff that, I mean, and here's the motivation, I think, is there's a fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out on something. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to do, I'm going to have. It's just another toy. And many times the folks that fit into this category on the end of the spectrum, their credit cards are maxed, they're in debt, 
They have payments on car loans and mortgages, and, and it's just squeaking by, paying the minimum balance. I mean, this is the end of the spectrum that I'm talking about here. That would be irresponsibly reckless. And when we have so much, why not? When there's always more, why not? So that's kind of the idea. I think what's driving this individual is they are looking for security in what they have. It's a security thing. So I feel secure when I have this stuff. It could also be hoarding, would fit into this category as well. So it's not only just spending frivolously, but it's, you know, actually, that's not true. I just jumped the swing. It's just spending. Okay. The uh, B is irrationally frugal. This is where the hoarding is. So you swing to the other end of the pendulum. The one end, the first one, the reckless, they're just spending all the time. The other end of the pendulum swing is irrationally frugal. They're saving all the time. In fact, they will not spend money on things that they need. They will go without. And here I think the thing is they are, there's a fear of running out. So the one end of the pendulum swing, fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out on something, so I'm going to buy whatever I think will give me that security and make me happy. The other end of the pendulum swing is the fear of running out. We've heard this before, right? You talk to folks, they're afraid they're going to live longer than their retirement. They're going to live, they're going to run out. And so we hold on to and we hoard and we save. Like I said, even to the point of not even spending money sometimes on common necessities. So we have this pendulum swing. Both of them motivated by comfort, motivated by security. Either end of the spectrum, either end of the pendulum swing, it's really the similar motivation from within, just lived out differently. And it's looking for stuff to make me feel secure. Yes? But isn't it wonderful when you have enough money and you want to share it with other people and you want to buy things or help them to not have to spend their little bit of money or whatever? If they don't have it, you know, you do it for them. Well, there you give us an example, one example of how life off the pendulum could look, Lucille. <laughs> If I am not afraid of running out or missing out, it sets me free to be generous. generous. There, you go. there you go. And it's by faith that I believe that God is going to meet my needs. See, this is why it's off the pendulum is a lit, uh, only for the believer necessarily. Now, am I going to say that other people are not generous? No, I'm not going to say that a non-believer is not generous. We see it all the time. But what I'm talking about here is the motivation of the heart. And I think that's what you pointed out for us, Lucille, is the motivation of the heart is different when I'm not afraid of running out or of missing out. Mm-hmm. Melanie? And the part A is more personal. It's like that person is buying for me, 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 me. Well, and so is the other one. The frugal one is also for me, 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 me. Right, right. Yeah. They're both. But on the pendulum, if you look at the science and the physics, that pendulum never stops. And it can only go as far as the string lets it go. Yeah, for sure, Melody. That's a great point. And so we want to keep that in mind, tucked away in our mind, that it's going to go the other direction. But as you just pointed out for us, 
both ends of that spectrum were me. Yeah. It was about me. My security, my comfort. If I find my security and comfort in buying stuff, shopping, having, then I'm going to do it for me. If I find that security and comfort in having stuff, the, you know, the pantry stocked full, the garage stocked full, the savings account as big as it can be, then it's about me. But as you pointed out, off the pendulum gives us the freedom to say, by faith in Christ, I can live for others. Hold on to that phrase for a while. You might even want to write it down. What are you going to say? Actually, so? I was just going to say I kind of disagreed with Melody because I've also seen the pendulum on the side where people are hoarding, 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 and it's their comfort zone. It's about them. Yeah, and that's what she came yeah. back to and said. Yeah. It's still about me. <clears throat> their both ends are about me. Exactly. Exactly. I am now God of it. You might want to jot that one down, too. See the difference between life on the pendulum and life off the pendulum? One of them is that life on the pendulum, I am the God. Life off the pendulum, I'm trusting in the God, the one and only. So it's, you're going to see that, that pattern reiterated multiple times. You know, I might be able to finish this study in three weeks. I don't know. But the way we're motoring through this. So, think about it. What influences a person's position on the pendulum? You know, we just talked about this whole swing. Really, the commonality being fear and how am I going to overcome my fear. So, what motivates that kind of a thing and what influences would, would happen there? So, think about our country for a minute, historically. The Roaring Twenties. If you remember the Roaring Twenties, at least reading about it in the in the textbooks, it was uh, spend all you want. The whole country was experiencing great affluence. Anybody could have whatever they wanted until 1929, when it all fell apart and the huge crash. And for the next 12, 15 years, everybody was destitute. Right now, what happens is what influences a person's spot on the on the pendulum during the 20s. There's beliefs that come in, right? There's plenty of money. Everybody has everything they want. So yeah, I'll spend. I'll have what I want. I want to be part of this. Then it crashes. Nobody has anything. What about those folks who lived through the depression? How do they live today? Very frugally. They dry paper towels. They save aluminum foil. They, you know, they don't throw anything away because you might need it. What's that? I didn't live through that. And, and, and you still do that. Because sometimes... Your parents did. Exactly. And they passed... They pass that on. So what influences our positions on the pendulum? Sometimes it's world history. It's what's happening around us. It influences us. It conforms us to that image, as Paul says in Romans 12, without us even realizing it. If we are not intentional about it, we will conform to the world's pendulums that are going on right now, whether that be economic or political or um, relational health, whatever the case may be, the whole world swings on pendulums. 
And so we can see it in world history, and it influences us. And as you just pointed out for us, sometimes it's passed on from one generation to the next. How often do you live your life? Because, well, that's the way my parents did it. That's the way I was taught to do it. And so without thinking critically and questioning, we might just repeat that same pendulum swing and pass it on to our children. In fact, that's what we're told as we pass them on from one generation to the next to the next. So, we just see that in world history. And that was my example of the Roaring Twenties and then leading into the Great Depression. It, it really fastened a lot of people. Then we get to the 80s, which is kind of a repeat of the 20s. Again, there was great affluence. Everybody had money. Everybody was spending again. And you had conflict because you still have some generations saying, you shouldn't be living like that. We need to be frugal. And everybody else is saying, I'm tired of living frugally. I had to put up with that all my life and, and with my parents. I want to spend. There's plenty of money. Why would I live like that? And so pendulum swing by decades sometimes or by generations back and forth. Isn't this kind of, wow, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun to look at. Another, not only what gets passed on from generation to generation, but our own personal experiences. So that first example was more of a, a, a large population experience. But sometimes our own experiences will fix us on a point on the pendulum. I can come back to that in a minute. Sometimes it is based on what we would say is conviction. Like I said, we are convinced that this is the right spot to be. This is, this is the true spot to be on the pendulum. Meaning that anybody is in a different spot on the pendulum swing must be wrong. But we're pretty convinced. And then ultimately you're going to see that quite often the pendulum spot, the spot that we occupy on the pendulum, has some kind of a fear base to it. There's some kind of a fear that's contributing to our spot on the pendulum. And so we'll want to look for that as well. What could change a person to swing to the other side of the pendulum? Because as you pointed out for us, Melody, already, physics, rarely, rarely is it that somebody just moves a little bit. I mean, once the pendulum is in motion, it's going to be a swing to the other side. I can't tell you how many times I've totally lost count how many times I've been in conversations with people and they will be sharing with me their perspective, their beliefs, their thoughts based on where they might be on a certain pendulum. And they will argue with me and they will, and then maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months goes by and I'm talking with them and they, we're talking about the same topic and all of a sudden they're on the other end of the pendulum. I'm like, what happened? I distinctly remember that the last time we talked about this topic, you were over here. No, I wasn't. Yeah, I think you were. Now we've got to argue about where they were on the pendulum, right? So, but rarely is it that we just move a little bit. Just by physics, we tend to swing past center to somewhere on the other side of the swing. And what motivates that is a change in conviction, usually. A change in our level of comfort. It's not working for me anymore. Like I was saying, Generationally speaking, Gen X, when I belong to, unfortunately, just because of when I was born, well, we got a little tired of how frugal our parents were. We wanted 
to have our car. We wanted to fill it with gas. We wanted to go wherever we wanted to go and buy whatever we wanted to buy. And so we kind of said, I've had enough. I've had enough of living life like that. So almost as a whole generation, we swung the other way. We've had enough. Or sometimes it's because of jealousy. We're in our spot on the pendulum, so we're like, it looks like their life is better. I I think maybe they are in the better spot, and so I'm going to join them, and I'll swing over to that side of the pendulum. Speaking financially, it could be an experience, because again, this is our example right now. Maybe you experienced bankruptcy. You might swing to the other side of the pendulum and not take as many risks. You might say, you know what, I'm not going to get burned like that again. I'm going to hold on to a little bit more. Didn't like losing everything. And so now we've swung to the other side of the pendulum. Could be any number of those things. But how far will a person swing? As far as they have to, to get to the new comfort zone. Because it's discomfort and fear that has moved them to swing in the first place. And so they're going to swing as far as they need to to get to the new comfort zone. Maybe maybe it starts with, you know, if we just use this example, a change in conviction could look like, you know, I've realized I can't take it with me. I was saving, I was hoarding, I was putting it all away. I can't take it with me. I'm going to start spending it on me. That's a pendulum swing. You know what? I don't care if my kids have an inheritance anyway, so I'm going to start spending their inheritance. Heard that one, haven't you? So, a pendulum swing. Had been storing it up, and all of a sudden, oh, my kids are all doing fine. I'm going to spend the inheritance on what I want to do. Pendulum swings. They're everywhere. Let's look at this stress response, because this, again, is just something common for all of us. Letter A would be fight. Letter B, flight. Fight or flight. Of course, one of the common themes for either fight or flight is fear. That's the motivator of a stress response is fear and either we're going to fight on one end of the spectrum or we're going to run on the other end of the pendulum. Either way, it's fear motivated. We're doing one or the other. We face stress every day. In a broken world, as broken people, surrounded by broken people, we face stress every day. And to be quite frank, there are things that legitimately cause fear. Otherwise, God would not address it so often in his word. Jesus wouldn't say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't fear. Don't be anxious if it wasn't a real thing. And so we encounter things every day in our lives that are going to create a response that's about worry, about anxiety or fear. And so the pendulum swing is either to fight what it is that's causing our fear or to run away from it. What does that look like? Well, it changes. Well, life, let me say it this way. Life on the pendulum 
with regards to the stress response is always survival mode. It's always survival mode. How do I survive? What it means is, if we live in that kind of survival mode on a regular basis, whether it be your natural pattern is to run away. And see, think about this for a minute. Maybe it's personality driven. Maybe just by personality, I'm more inclined to withdraw from conflict. I don't like conflict. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. Maybe by personality, hey, bring on a good conflict. You know, I'm better at this. I can win and, and I'm right. So let's go ahead and have. So sometimes it's by personality. Sometimes it's by the way you were raised. Sometimes it's through different convictions. Either way, fight or flight is on the pendulum. And if we're doing that, if we're always thinking about life from survival mode, you're going to have high blood pressure. You just will. It's part of the process. On the pendulum swing of fight or flight, it's, you're going to have high blood pressure and probably succumb to cardiovascular disease. At least that's what all the books say. You're going to have a taxed immune system. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we have so much autoimmune disease today is because we're all living stressed out. Because when we're stressed, whether we're running or fighting, the immune system is ramping up. You might get wounded. You might get hurt. We need to be ready. And then nothing happens. And so what happens is the immune system says, well, we're all geared up. We're ready to fight something, nothing to fight. Well, how about some friendly fire? We'll just turn on ourselves. And that's what autoimmune diseases really are, is your body attacking itself. And it's part of living in this fight or flight stress response. It actually enhances aging. By me, what I mean by that is you age quicker. If you're always living in the fight or flight survival mode, you age quicker. You will also increase your worry and anxiety. Isn't that ironic? The very thing you're trying to deal with and survive from, you're increasing it. You will experience fatigue, loss of energy, unproductive thoughts, brain fog will result, and ultimately depression. This is what life is like on the pendulum of fight or flight. Does that sound enhanced? I mean, is that enticing? Is that what everybody wants to sign up for? But we do it. We do it every day. So what influences a person's position on this pendulum? I think sometimes, like I said already, it's personality. Sometimes it's by example. How have we seen other people live? If you had a parent, or maybe your parents were opposite ends of this pendulum swing, we see that happen quite often, where one, in the, one spouse is always ready for the argument and one spouse is always quick to give in. And so kids, watch that happen growing up. And they're going to have to decide which parent's model, which example am I going to follow? Am I going to be the one who always gives in? Or am I going to be the one who fights? You know, sometimes it's said, well, one's quiet and one's the screamer, or whatever the case may be. Those are opposite ends of the pendulum swing. Maybe you uh, have experienced some of your own trauma. And this can swing from either direction. 
Maybe you are on the pendulum side of the swing where you typically would engage in the conflict, fight for what you thought was right, but something traumatic happened. And you said, I'm never doing that again. I'm just going to tuck and run and hope that I can make it through this thing we call life. Maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe your pattern of living was to just try and avoid conflict at all costs. And finally you're like, no, i got to stand up for something. I'm going to stand up to that individual. I'm going to stand up to that bully. And so you swung to the other side of the pendulum. I don't know. Is this connecting for you? Are you, are you seeing it? Are you feeling it? It's everywhere. Ultimately, like I said, fear is a huge part of what even might move a person on the pendulum. If it's not working, you might swing to the other side. You might be given some advice. Somebody might say to you, you know, you should do this. You should, you should tell your boss. You should tell your spouse. You should tell your parent. Maybe you've heard some advice like that at some point in time. Don't take that anymore. You should do this. And that might move you on the pendulum to the other side of the swing. Interesting, and I, I've only read a little bit on this, but I think it has some merit. Quite often, what we see with dementia patients is a swing. So sometimes, somebody who is suffering from dementia, and, and we will have seen this their whole life, they were generous, they were looking out for other people, they were the ones who would always serve, and their needs were last. And then as they were experiencing dementia, they became demanding, and hostile, and it's like they swung on the pendulum. Now, I could, like I said, I've only read a little bit on that, but it seems to be a prominent perspective that all of a sudden, how do we explain this change in personality? Quite often, it's a swing on the pendulum. So, how far will a person swing? To the new level of comfort. Yep. And typically it's equal to wherever they were on one side to the other. Not only does it work in physics, but it works in all of life. It's typically that's where we find the next level of comfort. So think about this for a minute. The person in the stress response who is always, maybe to the extreme, always giving in, always subservient, always, and then they decide to stand up for themselves, it's usually over the top. You are not going to tell me what to do anymore. So it tends to be that kind of an equivalency in the swing. So sometimes those responses after a pendulum swing look something like, should have done this a long time ago. Should have swung a long time ago. Or... Sometimes it's, what have I done to deserve this? Either way, we tend to be on that pendulum swing. Anybody got questions for me on the first half of the page? Comments? Does it seem like it might be something relevant to look at? Maybe. I got 15 minutes left to convince you. <laughs> Mental health on the backside. Is why I think it's just so prevalent. The relational swing is the first one we're going to look at. 
the relational swing, and here you actually, I've, I've put in there the two ends of the pendulum swing for you. That's what those arrows are meant to signify. So on one end, number one is fear of abandonment. Fear of being alone. In fact, it's sometimes such a great fear that they can't be alone. They avoid being alone. The other end of that pendulum swing, though, and this is the same person, they push people away. They engage in conflict. They're often seen as angry people. So they fear being alone, and yet the other end of the spectrum is they push people away, and they swing back and forth between the two. Number two is they idealize a person. They idealize a person. They put a person up on a pedestal. They think that they are the best thing since sliced bread. And so in this, you know, the fear of abandonment can't be alone. They can't be without this person. They need this person. But then the other end of that pendulum swing is they demean the person. They criticize them. They find fault with them. They blame them. And this happens all the time. There's actually a mental diagnosis for this. I'm not going to share it with you. The point is, we see it so frequently. People live this way all the time. One end of the pendulum to the other. Sometimes in the same day. Sometimes in the same week, I can't be alone and I can't be without you, but I'm going to criticize you and push you away. Back and forth. Letter B, emotional swing. This is um, characterized by an inflated sense of self. And yet on the opposite end of that pendulum swing are feelings of inadequacy. So this individual is going to swing back and forth. One day they can conquer the world. The next day they can't get out of bed. One day they have all kinds of energy and, and high value of what their skills are. And the next day they're sad and disappointed and hopeless. There's lots of action on this emotional swing. Number two, lots of action. Because they have these lofty goals, and so they start something. Oh, he's starting something new. It's exciting, right? But then they swing to the other side of the pendulum to no motivation. And they withdraw. And they become apathetic. And they don't finish anything. Swing back and forth. Anybody need me to give fill in the blanks? Emotional swing, inflated sense of self. That's where they have these, you know, high sense of what they can accomplish. Yeah. Okay, so when you talk about the mental health and, and you were talking about the emotional and that, and what came to my mind is people who are bipolar, um, people who have... There's multiple, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But would that come from back over here with your autoimmune down? And oh, there's, and that's a great point, Melody, if I'm hearing you correctly. The pendulums are interconnected. So certainly one impacts another. If I am living, for example, like we talked about, whether it be personal finances, in that fear mode all the time, certainly it's going to impact my mental health as well. I mean, certainly living in fear and anxiety all the time is going to impact me other ways. So now, if those pendulum swings can have that kind of impact throughout a person's life, think about what life off the pendulum can also do in impacting a person's whole life. So Jesus Christ, yes, he died on the cross to save us from our sins so that we might be resurrected with him and eternal life in heaven. But for the believer, that life begins now. And so how do we live now? That's kind of the idea here. But it tr will transform every area of our life. That's exactly what Jesus Christ is seeking to do, is transform every area of our life. Yeah. Thanks, Melody. Anything else today? Thanks for giving me that opportunity to say that. Oh, that's good. Anything else? Any other questions before we talk about now the root cause? Yeah, Terry. Did you ever get to Fred's question? Oh, Fred, did you have a question? No, no. No, I'm not. Oh, here. Oh, Fred, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. You thought I forgot. Yeah. Thanks for looking out for Fred. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the root cause then, because I've already said it's about brokenness. That in our brokenness, in our sin condition, we all learned about this in junior confirmation. We're born broken, we're born sinners, and therefore we sin. And life on the pendulum is just one way of describing this broken life. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Is life on the pendulum is one way of being able to conceptualize and talk about what the sinful life looks like. So, from Genesis chapter 3, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So, we're talking about heart motivation here. Those three letters, the fill in the blanks, are just going to summarize what Eve said. It looks good to me. It is good for me. Or at least it seems good for me. I will be great. You see, before this moment, no pendulum. There's no pendulum. No pendulums in the Garden of Eden before the fall. God says, here is what I've created you to be. Here's what I've created for you. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Enjoy it all. Live in it. And enjoy a, a whole relationship with your Creator. No pendulums. No swings. Just full, abundant life and joy. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 10. I've come to give you life and live it and life abundantly telling you that's what he's talking about life abundantly is life off the pendulum and so a lot changed in that moment there were irreversible consequences and they remained unsolved even though we tried Adam and Eve tried 
Going back up there to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They tried to fix it, but they could not. They couldn't solve the problem. One of the things, now I'm coming back to what you said, Fred. One of the things that we try to do with the pendulum in this idea of, you know, the phrase is finding center, seeking balance. That's kind of how it's phrased. Sometimes it says seeking balance, finding center, whatever. Let's just get the center of that pendulum. And I understand what you're saying, Fred, and I, and I've, you know, believe me, I've heard this and looked at it and researched it over and over again. What does that look like in practice on a pendulum? First of all, it's us trying to solve it, if we can be clear there. I'm just going to stop my pendulum swing in the middle means I'm trying to solve it somehow. And this is beyond what I can solve. I can't solve my sin condition. Only Christ can solve my sin condition. The other thing is, let's say it's the fight or flight swing, just for example. And I'm going to be able to show you this over and over again where the center is no better. What is the center of fight or flight? Death. Yeah. Standing still. Exactly. And that's exactly what all the psych colleges came up with so they had to add one to it it's no longer just fight or flight it's freeze i'm sure you've heard that fight flight or freeze so what am i going to do i'm i'm afraid i'm just going to freeze i'm going to stand here and get run over by the bus so in that moment running might have been better but couldn't somebody who is right in the center have something happen and all of a sudden they pop over to one side and fight or pop over the other side and run away? I would agree with you, but my I think what we'll see as we go through this is the center doesn't exist. Okay. That's what I'm going to show you as we go through this process together. The center doesn't really exist. Even as we pointed out, wherever we are on the pendulum, we're going to swing to the other side as far as we swung. There is no center. Otherwise, God could have said to Adam and Eve, find center. Instead, what does he say? I'm going to send you a savior. I'm going to send one who will conquer. So, for us, it's unsolvable. Even though we try, there are irreversible consequences and we are stuck on the pendulum. Because our heart motivation still says, it looks good to me, it seems good for me, and I will be great. It's part of the pendulum. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. This is a summary, but it also identifies for us this pendulum again. John says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, we're going to see the same three repeated that Eve said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, without John saying it, and certainly in his context would have been different than the way we're talking about it today, I think what he's talking about here is the difference between life on the pendulum of the world and life off the pendulum in the will of God the Father. I think that's what we're talking about here. Because after Adam and Eve did that, what happens next? We see this on the pendulum. Letter A, I am ashamed and afraid. 
I am ashamed and afraid. These are all common symptoms of life on the pendulum. The next one, you did this to me. That's what happens. God comes into the garden and he says, Adam, Eve, where are you? We're hiding because we're ashamed and we're afraid. Why would you be ashamed and afraid? You've never been ashamed and afraid before. We've walked together before. I spent intimate time with you before. Why are you afraid of me now? And he questions them. And what does Adam say? You did this to me when you gave me her. (laughs) And then what does Eve say? The snake did this to me. You did this to me. And the letter C is, I was deceived. And that will be something for us to wrestle with as we go through this process, is it will be occasionally a challenging moment. Because when we look at ourselves on the pendulum swings, we will be at risk of saying, I'm ashamed and afraid. We will be at risk of saying, you did this to me. I'm on this pendulum because of what you did to me. And I was deceived. Now, the reality is, and Melly brought this up for us right away, those are amazing opportunities to receive the grace of God. So we will look for those opportunities. So... God made a promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He said to Eve, a son will be sent who will save you. The reality is that while we are to blame for all the pendulum swings that exist and that we live on, God loves us. In spite of ourselves, God loves us. He shows us his grace, his mercy, his redemption. And he says, let me give you life off the pendulum. Because this is what I'd like to suggest. And I think you've probably picked up my thought on this already. No position on the pendulum is a right one. No position on the pendulum is a right one. Because then God would help us find that spot. I'm convinced that what God is showing us is a life off the pendulum, only received by faith, and it's a gift of grace. Father in heaven, my prayer is that you would enlighten us, help us to recognize and become aware of how brokenness shows up in our life. That's the point of your law, that you have given it to us. And Father, I confess to you right now and and for all of us that many times we stop listening to the law. We think everything's okay and covered. And it's true that in Christ it is. And yet we continue to live in that. So Father, I ask on behalf of all of us that you would enlighten us, that you would, by your grace, not only expose to us how we are living on pendulums, but by your grace, lift us off of them. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.